When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Build the portfolio of tomorrow today with alternative investments previously reserved for only the top 1%. Yield Street's cutting-edge investment products are designed to grow your wealth, bringing you one step closer to the financial independence you crave. With minimums at just $500 and access to investments in art, real estate, venture capital, and more, the future of alternative investing is now with Yield Street. Visit YieldStreet.com to get started. That's YieldStreet.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we have a bit of a special episode for you. The first half of this podcast is going to be airing an interview that we just completed here on Monday, June 29th with the Cubs' second-round selection out of Dallas Baptist left-handed pitcher Burl Caraway. It is a really good conversation, if I do say so myself. Uh, and I have to give him credit. I think a lot of that is because of Brendan. They dig into a lot of Burl's work with advanced metrics and some of the different pitching technologies that are available there. And I think that a lot of that was a very fascinating look into uh, Caraway's stuff and, and who he's going to be as a member of the Chicago Cubs. We talk about uh, a, a lot of things in the interview. So hopefully you guys enjoy that, get to know Burl a little bit more. And then Brendan and I will come back on the other side of that interview. It's about 25 minutes long, our conversation with Burl. And then we will talk about the current goings on in the Cubs world as they prepare for spring training part two or summer camp, as I believe it is being dubbed in some circles. So here is our conversation with the Cubs second round selection, Burl Caraway. All right, so now we are we have the pleasure of being joined by the Cubs second round selection in the 2020 draft, left-handed pitcher out of Dallas Baptist, Burl Caraway. Burl, thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, sir. I'm excited to talk with you guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you're drafted a, a couple weeks ago, now been officially a Cub for really just a matter of days here. Um, and we're, we're very excited to be among the, the first group to, I guess, like kind of directly be able to congratulate you and, and welcome you as Cubs fans. Uh, but wanted to just get your, your feelings, like your first impressions on being a Cub, was, was looking through some of your other interviews. You have not had the pleasure of, of visiting Wrigley Field yet, so I'm excited for you to do that. But what, is it, what did it mean for you to be drafted by the Cubs, and, and how has that process been in the early going here? 
Yeah, so I'll just say the Cubs have done an excellent job this far, just, you know, keeping me in the loop and, and everything's kind of got to be virtual. But I really feel like I've been able to kind of do a little bit of an orientation, even though can't necessarily go to Chicago and can't necessarily see the, the facilities in Arizona. So uh, they've been doing a great job. And, and back to the initial reaction, man, I, I knew that the Cubs were a great fit for me pretty early on. Um, had a Zoom call with them, one of my very first when they opened up communications with with prospects. And so. Uh, yeah, I, I, they were on my radar. I knew that they were, you know, a really good fit for me uh, just in terms of a program with, with history and, a, and a, a, a place that I could go and develop really well and use technology, that, that place that's ahead of the curve. And so, uh, yeah, I think, you know, initial reaction was, man, my, my agency is centered out of Chicago, so they know it really well. And just, just that it's an excellent fit, and, and I feel very fortunate to be a Cub. We feel very fortunate to have you, likewise. So wanted to get your your feeling. I, I know you've talked a little bit about this, but but how has this process been for you? Obviously, sort of an unprecedented time for everybody, but looking at it from the the baseball angle, you know, you have the, the college season canceled, but you still have to maintain what you're doing and get ready for the draft and be prepared for pretty enormous occasion in your life. And then kind of right immediately you're thrust into uh, another uncharted water scenario with this shortened 2020 season and given your position and your makeup you're you're kind of uh, a big highlight of of these early discussions what is what is that like for uh, a 21 year old to kind of be going through all of this at once yes yeah, sir it's a little unique uh you know i think everybody right now is just rolling with the punches um for me, you know, it was it was a long three months waiting for the draft. You know, after things shut down in March, it was just uh, a long, long time to wait to to see what my next step is. But um, yeah, I think you know, every every few every few days, there's something new that's happening. You know, whether it was just waiting that long time until uh, the draft happened, and then the draft happened, and I was waiting to see how I was going to be able to sign. And then once I sign, you know, they're they're coming out with the with the 60 man taxi squad rosters, stuff like that. So. Uh, it, it keeps me on my toes, you know, excited to see everything that keeps happening. But um, overall, like I said, the Cubs have done a great job keeping me in the loop. I've, I've really enjoyed the experience. It's a it's a lot, but that's kind of what I asked for when I wanted to start a pro career. And then I'm really excited about everything. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of just in the in the Cubs organization, and then I'll throw it over to Brennan. I think he's going to dive into some of your uh, pitch metrics and stuff like that. But was just curious if you've, aside from the coaches, I know you've been able to, uh, you know, you talked about speaking with Craig Breslow and some of those other guys in the pitching department, but have you been able to talk to any of the the players either with the Cubs or, you know, associated with the Cubs? I think from our perspective, I think there's there's a lot of names that I, I would think would be interesting to uh, have a chance to pick their brain and stuff like that. Fellow Texan uh, flamethrower Kerry Wood comes to mind, a potential future Hall of Famer, and John Lester, left-hander, comes to mind. But have you had the chance to to talk with anybody or pick anybody's brain about being a Cub or or just kind of making that transition into your pro career here? Uh, Yes, sir. I I can't say that I've talked to anybody, you know, since the draft has happened uh, that's, that's in the Cubs organization, unfortunately, no fellow DBU guys have, have been in the Cubs system uh, recently. And so uh, I'm looking forward to getting the opportunity to meet a lot of new people and meet a lot of new guys that, like you said, I can pick their brains and, and really see what this is all about. Um, you know, that being said, Ben Zobrist, uh, he's a guy that went to DBU, was very close with my coach, and he's, uh, you know, nice enough to come down to the alumni game every year. And so I've been able to see him play, been able to see kind of the hard work that he puts in. Um, Obviously, you know, that's that's for me. He had the kind of career that I want to have just being successful in the pros. And so 
uh, I think that that's one that, that hopefully here pretty soon I'll be able to get in touch with him. My coach mentioned jumping on the phone with him, and so I'd be really excited to do that. But other than that, you know, like I said, it's it's a lot of new things and a lot of new people that I think I'm going to be able to make a lot of steps whenever I get to meet them and, and talk with them about baseball. Burl, your stuff, your fastball and your curveball, the first time I saw it, it like scared me thinking if I were a batter. So you have a fastball that is in the upper 90s and a curveball to go along with it. But not only is your fastball in the upper 90s, but your spin rate is also, if you were to match that to current big leaguers, in like the top 10% of existing big leaguers. So you talked about the analytics. You talked about your Zoom meetings with Craig Breslow. You represent like the modern pitcher where you have the tools. You have an upper 90s fastball, a wicked breaking ball, but you have the mindset to implement some of the new data, which in the past year and two years, the Cubs have really tried to emphasize throughout their development system. So walk me through your development process with Dallas Baptist, some of the technology you use in training and just your overall training you know, protocol over the last year or two. Yes, sir. So like I said earlier, similar to the Cubs, DBU is, is always ahead of the curve. They, they've done an excellent job really preparing me for, for what's going to be able to develop me, you know, at the next level. And so pretty much from freshman year in college, I was exposed to the rap Soto stuff, the TrackMan stuff. Uh, more recently jumped on an edge of Tronics and was able to see the slow motion video of, of how my stuff tunnels, things like that. And so uh, and I think you said it the best. That's that's the way that the game is going, you know. And I I certainly feel fortunate that the way that my stuff plays is is matching the the way that the game is moving. And I think that that's going to really allow me to 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 move quickly and and start getting out uh, very quickly and then being effective. So uh, yeah, kind of like you said, you know, I try not to get too bogged down with with the analytical side of things and looking at the data, but that's just something that can really help me develop as a player. So. Uh, you know, whether it's in bullpens, things like that, you know, but to look at the rap soda, make minor adjustments and then putting that stuff under my belt. And when I get out on the mound, especially, you know, as a bullpen arm, throwing the ninth inning, stuff like that, just being able to focus on competing then and, and having a, a plan that you can base off of what the data recommends. And so uh, it's something that, you know, I've never tried to get really too bogged down with it, but it's something that's really allowed me to to kind of plan my game and and know you know, I know I get I get outs up in the zone with my fastball and I can now point to the data and say, OK, spin rate, spin efficiency. This is why my fastball plays well up in the zone. And this is why my curveball might get swings and misses, you know, just behind the plate. So uh, it, it's really interesting. The more that, you know, the, the more that technology is introduced to baseball and the more that you can get out of it, I think, is, as we said, the way that the game's moving and, and just go back to that's why I'm so excited to be a Cub and and part of a program that that really does a great job of of implementing that stuff. Yeah, you know, when I was playing, you know, I'm in my upper 20s, when I was playing, I was always into fan graphs and trying to understand some of the, at that time, the new age metrics. But one of the, I guess, godfathers of, you know, quote unquote, safer metrics, said eventually one day scouts and trainers and players will be speaking the same type of like statistical language. And to me, this is what we're seeing we're kind of seeing this merge and you're talking about spin efficiency right and spin rate and trying to maximize spin rate to translate into spin efficiency what in your training do you do to get the best out of your spin rate how do you translate from a training perspective the spin rate to spin efficiency 
Yes, sir. That's a very good question. So, so for me, you know, I've got a background in playing the outfield. I came into DBU as a two-way player. Um, I was a left-handed pitcher, obviously, and then I played center field. And so um, I was able to really, you know, thinking back to that, it's, it's throwing guys out from center field, throwing from center field to home plate, and just being able to visually see, you know, when you can stretch it out that far, you start a ball, you know, out of your arm, and it almost looks like it rises as it gets to the plate. And so uh, really just thinking about backspinning it there is what helped me be the best at throwing people out from center field. And then all of a sudden, you know, it starts looking like I'm going to be a pitcher. And so I focus more on that and I can take some of the aggression that I, you know, had in the outfield backspinning the ball onto the mound. And so, yeah, you, you, you kind of mentioned it, but, but make your fingers, your two pointer for your two fingers for the fastball, a little bit closer together, going to get a little bit more spin there and a little more spin efficiency. I'm really over the top naturally. And so I think it all just, you know, whenever I take that natural, you know, slot that I have where I'm really backspinning the ball and then I can look at the data and say this is you know when I change something it makes this better or it makes this worse I can really work on my training in that sense and so I think the best way to see it is by long tossing and really being able to see the ball carry for you uh, I can I can tell when I get around the ball a little bit and it maybe falls off or fades away versus when I really get behind it and it travels really well for me so uh, it, it's a lot, you know, it, and, and thinking about it now, it's it's stuff that I've been fortunate that I was naturally exposed to and, and had a, a really good ability for it before I was necessarily exposed to Rapsodo and things like that. But, uh, yeah, it's something that I'm, I'm really excited to continue working on, something that I think is going to always be part of my game naturally, and I can get the most out of it by looking at the technology that I'm going to hopefully get to use with the Cubs here pretty soon. So with Craig Breslow, with your Zoom meetings, is there any exchange of video or is there any type of exchange? It's difficult now with the pandemic, of course, but are you guys exchanging videos? Is there any type of information Cubs right now are giving you to work on, or are they just waiting for you to get inside their own quote-unquote pitch labs and just waiting for that process to begin once in-person meetings are allowed? Yes, yeah, sir. So I wouldn't say there's been really any exchange since the draft. I think a lot of it was leading up to the draft and I can point back to that zoom call where I think the Cubs is one of the teams that had several, you know, pitch development, pitch dynamic uh, workers on the zoom call. And so really that was, I think a big part of why they thought that I'd be such a great fit, you know, as a Cub is just being able to talk through that stuff with them and know that there's going to be people there to work on that with me. And I think that knowing all of that stuff and everything that's behind it is a big reason why they targeted me in the draft. And so I think, uh, you know, as soon as they can get me to a facility and get me working with their people, I think they're really excited to do that as well as me. And so, um, you, you know, recently, uh, unfortunately, with everything shut down, I haven't been able to do much of that exchange. But there was definitely some them, whether it was them, you know, watching my college career, watching different outings or simply just looking at a spreadsheet of all my data. I think that was something that was really big uh, in getting me to this point and being a Cub. And I think they're going to keep looking back at that as long as they can moving forward. You sound like someone who wants to soak in as much information as possible. And one example, and you mentioned it too with your with your release uh, point in a similar background, is going up to Clayton Kershaw um, last fall and trying to pick his brain to see because he's almost like your 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 prototype, if you will. And he suggested incorporating uh, another slider. But can you speak to the conversation you had with Kershaw? Man, I really enjoyed talking to Mr. Kershaw. He was super, you know, open to discussing things with me. He wasn't, uh, you know, it didn't seem like he was really trying to get out of there or just, you know, it's another fan wanting to talk to him about baseball. He got 
pretty personal with me, gave me his phone number. Uh, I've been able to talk to him a couple times since then. Uh, but really, it was just, you know, him taking that 15 minutes to talk with me when I knew that that was a guy that his stuff played very similar to how my stuff plays. And so, uh, yeah, it was it was talking about, you know, the ride fastball and the big breaking ball that he has and that and that I've, I've kind of modeled my game after. And so, uh, yeah, it was interesting being able to talk to somebody who really knows what it's like to be out on the mound with that stuff, not necessarily just a, a coach that can kind of see and tell you what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, for him, it was just he was quickly able to point to me and say like, Hey, I, I, I went through the same stuff. You know, the, the breaking ball being so much break is difficult to land. So something that he did that he picked up really quickly on was the slider. Uh, he recommended it to me and, and I kind of took it and, and got pretty excited about the, the potential that I could have there, you know, furthering myself to look more like how he pitches and, and get the success that he has. And so, uh, yeah, it was a pitch that I, I just started this January and the idea behind it was, uh, like I mentioned, the, the curveball is, is a pitch that's, you know, high 70s and it breaks a whole bunch vertically. And so the idea was maybe a pitch that breaks a little more side to side, doesn't break quite as much, that's a little firmer, that maybe naturally I could throw it for more strikes. So maybe a, a 2-0 breaking pitch, an 0-0 steal a strike pitch, something like that, that is, you know, not necessarily the pitch that I'm going to use 0-2 when I really want to put a guy away, but maybe going to get me out of throwing fastballs and fastball counts and things like that. So uh, it's something that, you know, I, I can't, I couldn't be more excited about being able to further the development of that pitch. Uh, it's something that's so raw that I think when I do get on, you know, with the Cubs program and all their analytical things, it's going to progress really quickly. And, and I'm very excited about it, but yeah, once again, just Mr. Kershaw is an awesome dude. And I think he, he really, uh, you know, it may not have seemed like much to him, but him taking that 15, 20 minutes to talk to me about it, I thought was really yeah. cool. Yeah. So in terms of tunneling, you mentioned it a few minutes ago, uh, one example of using this technology to maximize tunneling was Garrett Cole going to the Astros the past two years. And when he transitioned from the Pirates to the Astros, his curveball and his four-seamer, their release points became gradually closer and closer to the point where the tunneling became one of the best combination in Major League Baseball. So when you're talking about the slider, the curveball, the four-seamer, one question I have to you, and you may not have the, the technology and the data yet because you're not with the Cubs yet, but my question to you is the curveball, fastball, slider, does the tunneling and the, the closeness of the release points among those three pitches inform your sequencing, inform your confidence with the pitches, or what in terms of tunneling do you focus on or is tunneling really not a priority for your particular skill set and more so is just maximizing the movement, the spin rate, the velocity, et cetera. But in terms of the tunneling, are you looking at that to like mirror your slider and your four-seamer or are you trying to maybe even separate it out more? Can you speak to that actual concept? Yes, sir. So I was fortunate enough to jump on the Edgertronics, which is pretty much, I think, the best way to look at tunneling. It's It's essentially – puts a slow-mo high-def high video of you throwing multiple pitches uh, just overlapped on each other. And so, um, yeah, I, I've got a video that I thought was just really, really cool that, I, that I've used. Uh, took it in the fall on the Edgetronics and kind of gone back to look at those just as a confidence boost. Like you said, the, the tunneling for me, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get the slider on it yet because that came a little later. So it was just fastball, curveball. But it's uh, being able to watch and I throw, in the video, I throw a fastball that's, 
uh, kind of like maybe a little bit above the catcher's mask, just very top of the zone, and a curveball that lands behind the plate. So a little bit mm. of a spike curveball. And just watching, man, I love going back and watching that video because the two pitches, you can almost not tell that it's a that there's two videos until you know 15 seconds in. It's they're coming out very very close to the same spot, right on top of each other, and all you can see is. You know, I'm really getting behind the fastball, and I'm really getting kind of over the top of the curveball so that it breaks opposite way. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, the ball, you keep watching, and the ball is, you can just barely tell that there's two balls there until all the way, you know, <laughs> yeah. 55 feet to the plate, and then all of a sudden one spikes and one, you know, keeps going upwards. And so I, that's one that I really love looking at, and I think I'm going to continue using that, whether it's with the slider or just furthering it with the fastball curveball. But uh, like I said, it's it's one that's more – you know, I'm thankful that naturally I get that really good tunneling, but it's just uh, as in terms of sequencing and stuff like that, it it's more just tells me why my pitches play the way that they do and maybe helps me decide what I want to throw here, what I want to throw there, and, and really just gives me a lot of confidence going onto the mound. Well, so Burl, just in talking to you for the short time that we have, it's, it's pretty easy to see that you are exactly the type of pitcher the Cubs were looking to bring into the organization. And I don't know how much you're familiar with it or how much the, the Cubs organization caught you up on it, but you know, obviously their pitching development as an organization has not been as successful as they would like in, in recent years, bringing up guys that they drafted and stuff like that. And in these past off seasons, we've seen a pretty major overhaul in, in the names of coaches and in the philosophy that we've been seeing, even just from a fan's perspective. Can you talk a little bit about, you are obviously dialed into this stuff, and I think uh, Brendan used the word prototype in a different sense, but I think you're pretty much the prototype of the type of guy the Cubs are looking at, someone that has the stuff you have and that they can get in the pitch lab, understands this stuff, loves learning about what he's doing and how to make himself better. Can you talk about what it means uh, just a little bit to be a part of an organization that, A, we, we've seen not hesitate to promote young guys, even though a lot of them have been hitters, uh, and let them contribute to very successful teams, you, you know, a lot of young guys helping them win the World Series in 2016, but just also being, you know, maybe the, the leader, perhaps, of this kind of pitching revolution in the Cubs system. Yes, sir. Well, it's, it's an incredible opportunity. You know, the, the Cubs did, uh, Mr. Breslow and, and several others, they had us kind of all, um, all the new pitchers jump on a, a Zoom call a while back that was pretty much going over just just orientation type stuff. And they did mention, you know, that uh, maybe like you said, they haven't been known for their developing of pitchers, but that it's a goal that they've really been working towards and that they are all excited that, you know, this might be the group that, that kind of gets it done. And so, like I said, just, just kind of being able to be at the forefront of that, not just me necessarily, but the entire Cubs as an organization, I think is – the opportunity of a lifetime. I mean, that's what that's what you want to be as a baseball player, someone that the coaches can trust that you're going to help them take that next step as an organization. And so, uh, yeah, it's 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 something that's really cool. And I I think I think that the data points to me being able to you know get get big leagues out outs pretty quickly. Uh, and at the same time, I think there's going to be a lot of guys that we're able to develop just as a system. I think Mr. Brezzo really knows what he's doing, and I'm excited to work with him. So, uh, yeah, I just just. Uh, speaking as a as a potential Cubs player to Cubs fans, I think that I can really get you guys excited about just you know the way that we're that we are moving and you know the way that I'm going to work to to really be able to give them what they want, which is uh, you know the way that the game's moving a ride a ride lefty that throws pretty hard and gets outs. 
Uh, you've you've sold me and Brendan, I can tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> just from listening to you talk here, we were completely sold. Uh, yeah. But I, I have I have two quick questions for you, and, and then we'll let you get out of here. We appreciate the time very much. The, the first one, I just wanted to ask: Am I am I reading this incorrectly? But my my read on you is that you know a lot of the talk on the MLB Network, all these articles and stuff, was Burl Caraway is the guy to look at if you're looking for which pitcher in this draft class hits the major leagues first. And, you know, we'll see how that all shakes out. But am, am I wrong to assume that you're the kind of guy who, if the Cubs called on you as soon as possible and said, we need you to come in in the eighth inning and get Christian Yelich out with the bases loaded, you are jacked up to get out there and blow some fastballs by him? Do I, do I have the right read on that? Yes, sir. That's absolutely correct. I, I think, you know, that there's there's definitely a fine line. You don't want to sound like the cocky young guy, but I've got a lot of a lot of confidence as a pitcher. And so, uh, yeah, I've, I've made it known to the to the Cubs organization and, and just kind of put it out there that I'm I'm really excited for any opportunity they could give me and I'm ready if they call my name. But until uh, then, I'm just going to really work hard. Well, certainly love that. All right, last question for you, and then we'll let you go. Uh, I'm going to try to paint a, a brief picture here, but let's say it's the Cubs and the Dodgers in the NLCS. In this scenario, the, the fans are back. Everything is normal. <laughs> the Cubs are on the verge of clinching the pennant, going to the World Series. Manager David Ross calls to the bullpen. He wants Burl Caraway. You come out from under the bleachers in Wrigley Field. The Cubs fans are screaming. You burst through the ivy into Wrigley Field. I need you to tell me what song is blasting over the Wrigley PA system. <laughs> okay, so I, I can give you a couple. You know, that makes me think of, like, the movie Major League, you know, thinking of, like, yeah. walking out yep. to Wild Thing, Ricky Vaughn coming out of the pen. So Love that's it. one that I think would be really funny. But, you know, I walked out to Thunder by Imagine Dragons for, for uh, my entire college career, which is, you know, first line is just a young gun with a quick fuse. And so – uh, yeah, I think that would kind of describe me well, too. So so there's a few that I could go with, but I think first and foremost, I need to make it up to Wrigley and, and see what kind of vibe the place is giving me and see how cool it is because I, I hear a lot of good things about it. I, I like that. Let 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 Wrigley speak to you, and then you can kind of <laughs> go from there. Yes, but, sir. Uh, Burl, this was great. I uh, really appreciate all the, the conversation and the insight and, you know, you letting us kind of dig into your, your repertoire and everything like that. Uh, appreciate the time and sincerely, man, uh, the best of luck with everything. We will be following along very excitedly. Yes, sir. Thank you guys very much. Okay, so that was our interview with Burl Caraway. Of course, we want to thank Burl for giving us the time to have that conversation. And Brendan, I got to say, there, there's a lot of candidates for stuff like this, but Burl pretty much immediately skyrocketing to the top of mine, and I definitely assume your uh, rankings here, because that was a, a really fun conversation. Well, you can see why the Cubs in their draft selection have prioritized character. And just talking for Bur- with Burrow for 25 minutes, you can tell, like Javi Baez, this guy like breathes baseball. Yeah. The way he talks about it, talking about a lot of the spin race, spin efficiency, the rap soto. He th- this is this is his life. This is how, this is his identity, and I'm stoked, Corey. Like I am, I was blown away with his intellect at that age, his awareness, the way he carried himself. I mean, for us Cubs fans, like, what more do you want from a pitcher? But not only a pitcher, Corey, like, what more do you want from who could be the Cubs closer in the next few years? You want someone with that attitude, that fearless yeah. attitude. And I was blown away. 
Yeah, and I, I think a good example of just how far, and I think we talked about this maybe a little uh, with Greg or, you know, just in the last couple of weeks, but just how advanced uh, some of these college programs are. And, you know, you hear yeah. Burl talking about the work that he did at Dallas Baptist and just all of the technology and the information that he was exposed to. And it's a lot of the stuff that we've heard Tommy Hadovy and the Pitch Lab and and some of those conversations as it relates to the Cubs. So it's I, I think rather fascinating. I know a, you know it's it, there's a lot of college programs like that, but it's it's always just fascinating to hear from somebody that's so young who's just starting his professional career. You know he's already so well versed in this stuff, and you know you can just imagine that uh, Tommy Hadovy, Craig Breslow, and the and the Cubs entire pitching infrastructure is really chomping at the bit to be able to work with Burl in person and really dig into it because they know they have somebody that's already done this stuff and, and not only has done it, but is hungry for it and, and to, to continue learning and to continue bettering who he is as a pitcher. And, and you know, it's it's something, you know, that kind of mirrors like we, we see you, Darvish, talk like this a lot, you know, how he's always watching film, he's always studying his pitches, always just trying to figure out what can I do to be better and to to make my arsenal better and to get more outs. So yeah, that was a, a really good conversation and certainly looking forward to following along with uh, Burl's career here as it, you know, sort of gets started uh, in, the, in the near future. But as we get to the rest of the Cubs, or as we prepare for spring training part two, uh, the players are supposed to report uh, starting on July 1st. So we will be monitoring that and, and you know, we'll obviously keep you guys in the loop with, with how often we're going to pod and stuff like that. There, There's not too much news necessarily. We did get the Cubs roster, but it, it, it there wasn't really full of any surprises. None of the Cubs have decided, at least at this point, to opt out of this major league season, which players were given the option to do for health and, and safety reasons. Uh, if they do ultimately, we will support them because that's what you should be doing. Uh, nobody is, owes us putting their health at risk or their family at risk or anything like that for uh, to play baseball. So we will support them. But as of now, no Cubs have done that. And looking at the initial roster, I, I don't think there were any big surprises, Brendan. I, I know, I think the thing that maybe jumped out to most people is that the Cubs did not use all of the 60 slots that were allotted for this, uh, but the the explanation for that seems to be that it is easier to add someone to this roster rather than remove them. So if you fill up all 60 spots and you realize somebody's not going to make the team or you gave it to a minor leaguer because you want them to you know get some opportunities or have a shot, if you then decide to take them off, then you have to, you know, there's a potential that they have to go through waivers, and it's just a, a messier situation. So the line from Jed Hoyer on Monday was that they identified the guys that they, you know, really think have that best shot and that they really need on that taxi squad. And then as this starts, it hasn't even started yet. Uh, as it starts and as things unfold, they, they still re- retain the option to add people as they see fit. Yeah, and that was a thing. When they first released the rosters, more, most of the other teams put out their full 60-man roster. So I'm going through it, and I see only 51 guys, and I'm missing Zach Short. I'm missing uh, Corey Abbott. I'm missing you know Jack Patterson. Where, where are these pitchers and the depth that we were just talking about for the past few weeks? But it makes sense. Once those guys get added to the roster, they can't be taken off unless 
they're released, unless they're traded, unless, God forbid, one of them gets sick with COVID. So in the Cubs' eyes, it makes sense. They have the time to figure this out, and they have the flexibility to really go in, get updates on their guys, try to figure things out. And at least for those infield groups and looking at shortstop and second base, there could be a scenario where in three weeks, maybe Descalso is not with the Cubs anymore. Maybe Jason Kipnis is not with the Cubs anymore either. And then you can put Zach Short as a replacement and still keep that roster size under 60 and give yourself more flexibility. So it made sense to me once you go in and, and try to understand the roster rules a little bit more. But at first I was a little confused, but now it makes sense to me. Yeah, so we, we we got some of that stuff from Jed Hoyer just kind of talking about uh, a little bit about the unorthodox nature of this, talking about some of the testing that they'll be doing. Um, you know, it, it sounds like those measures are, are pretty strong, uh, but, you know, that's that's something that we'll have to see as everything unfolds. Players going to be tested once they arrive, tested frequently, et cetera. So, you know, that's kind of just something that we'll, we'll have to remain fluid on and, you know, is, is really, as David Ross talked about a little bit today, going to be a, you know, a daily thing, holding people accountable and, and checking in on that stuff. But more from David Ross, I, I do want to read this quote from him that I, I believe mirrors something that you and I discussed when it was announced that this was going to happen and that they were going to try to get this season in and, and everything like that. Um, Ross was asked about the legitimacy of a 60-game season and, and an ultimate championship and stuff like that, and manager David had this to say. If they're passing out a trophy, I want it. If they're handing out rings and we're all starting from the same point, I don't care if it's a five-game season. This is competition, and it's what we enjoy doing. It's why we suit up. Everybody else can put something like an asterisk on it, but if we win the whole thing, I'll still get a ring and a trophy and a nice little, I don't know what the parade will look like, but we'll adjust that when we get there. And my, my first thought is, let's go. That's what we said. If, if they're going to do it, the Cubs might as well win it, right? Uh, my, my second thought, though, Brendan, is da- David goes through a lot of, there's a lot of words in here that he could have just summed up by saying, we're, you know, this is why we're ready to strap it on. But, uh, you know, look, I, I think we're, we're trying to push that hashtag, even though Ross has said it before, just need a little more embracing of it from 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 the staff not named Chris Bryant and David Ross. But either way, the general sentiment is, if we're going to do it, might as well win it, right? So I, I, I love hearing that from, from David. And uh, I think like Chris Bryant said in one of those first meetings in spring training when, when David Ross was, was starting his managerial career, I, you know, David Ross says a couple things and I'm ready to run through a wall. Man. Oh, I mean, for this situation, we said even before the pandemic happened, right? We said David Ross with this current group made the most sense. But now that this pandemic happened, David Ross makes even more sense, right? It's like, I don't know, like I just went back to work in my own job and having someone like your boss or whoever's above you have that enthusiasm to get back to a sense of normalcy is it, it's it's a big deal and so when you know the players are walking through that door in Wrigley for day one for summer camp you know at least Ross is going to approach this 
in a way that resembles some normalcy. Of course, you're going to be aware of all the testing and safety. And that's also a plus too, because you know the Cubs and David Ross will be putting so much emphasis on that. But the point being is during this, these crazy times, as a player, I would want to go in day one and just go to work. Try to have a distraction for yourself as a player. I'm sure it's stressful to have to train during a pandemic. And all these negotiations in the past few weeks and getting beyond that and trying to have some sort of schedule and expected timeline. To go through those doors at Wrigley in day one and have your manager talk about these same things he was talking about in spring training. Accountability, urgency, having fun. All what makes David Ross who he is, is a big deal. And we're, we're already seeing it. And I think during right now, as a fan, I'm pumped up. I'm ready to go, Corey. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's early on. I mean, it, it's already now been several months since we saw David Ross manage a game, even one that didn't count. And we've still yet to see him manage what does count as an actual Major League Baseball game. And I think that even though we haven't seen that, now that we're back to hearing from him and, and getting some quotes as we get ready for, for this camp here, to me, he it, it only strengthens my confidence in his hire and my confidence in him to lead this team. And, and I think to use two Joes as the extremes, right, Joe Madden and Joe Girardi, Madden, the former manager of the Cubs and World Series champion with the Chicago Cubs, and Joe Girardi, who is not the Chicago Cubs manager, I'm very grateful for that, but was one of the final contenders, got a, a very lengthy interview, so that's why I use him as an example. I, I really think that Ross is that perfect hybrid of both of them, and I think that that hybrid is very well suited for this particular situation where you're you're having a shortened season that is happening amidst a global pandemic and just a backdrop of you know some chaos around everything because he has the elements of both of those guys that I think you're going to need to make this work, right? He has the fun, loving, I can, you know, joke around, I can appreciate the keeping things light and, you know, being friendly with everybody and things like that, that Joe Madden is an expert in, probably the best in baseball in that particular element. But he also has that that side that Girardi is that extreme of, which is the kind of like, we need to get to business. There's no, you know, there's no fooling around, no mistakes, holding everybody accountable. And I think you need that hybrid in this particular instance, because I don't think that having a drill sergeant in this particular situation, when the guys are going to be getting tested so frequently, they're worried about their family, they're worried about the country, the world, everything that's going on, you need someone that can take a breath every now and again, right? Who, who's not just going to be, uh, you know, like Herb Brooks in the movie Miracle, right? Like blowing the whistle again, again, again. But you, you know, you also don't want someone who's completely like Joe Madden because at the same time, this is a 60-game season, right? So mistakes, sloppiness, things like that, you you don't have the time to tolerate them. You you can't really tolerate them even in a 162-game season, as we saw, uh, you know, from the, the Cubs in the last couple of years on, on the bases and defense. 
but especially in a 60 game season you got to hit the ground running you have to be not necessarily flawless but you got to come ready to play in in a 60 game season like this so just in hearing the way that Ross has has talked about all of this, even just on this first day of him kind of getting back into the swing of uh, talking to the media and getting ready for camp here, I I feel really good about this. I, I feel like the the balance that he strikes between those two extremes is perfect for this particular situation that we are in. I'm excited day one to see what you Darvish looks like, what all the other pitchers look like. And we're hearing from Jed Hoyer about how the pitchers have sustained their level of training, their level of preparation. And they're confident, too, that they can go out day one and have a five-man rotation. And that was one thing, in my mind, that was something hard to reconcile coming into day one with a really shortened ramp-up period during the summer camp of three weeks and going right away to a five-man rotation. Maybe I'm less concerned about you, Darvish, Kyle Hendricks, and the other guys, but I was more concerned about what the fifth spot would look like. The guys who may not have access to a lot of the resources like Darvish has had or like Hendricks has had. And so I was a little skeptical that we could go in on day one with a five-man rotation. Could Alec Mills be ready? Could Tyler Chatwood be ready? Does David Ross even know of those two which he is going to put in that fifth spot right now. We heard it was Chatwood in spring training, but we never got to see it play out. And Alec Mills looked pretty good during spring training before it, everything shut down. So for Hoyer to say and David Ross to say, yeah, we're going with the five-man rotation out of the gate, to me, that suggests they're ready to go. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax oxygen system is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. Yeah, so that was one of the things that Ross spoke about, um, you know, that he has not had any discussions about a six-man rotation or an opener or anything along those lines. 
and that this the swing man is going to be important. So how they you know figure that out and and ultimately structure the bullpen is going to be something to watch. Which I know it's been a while since we were discussing like actual roster construction and games, but as you'll recall, was a dominant part of our conversations for several months uh, talking about the different bullpen guys that the Cubs had been gathering together and and how important all that would be shaking out. Some of the other things that David Ross spoke about uh, one doesn't expect any lineup changes to some of the stuff that we saw in spring training. Chris Bryant will be leading off. Anthony Rizzo will be hitting second. You may know them as Brizzo. That is their official duo nickname. And he said that he believes the DH role will just make the Cubs deeper. Reading this quote uh, from quote provided from by Tony Andraki of Marquee. Uh, David Ross said, quote, on Kyle Schwarber specifically in the DH spot, I told him it's not going to be a strictly DH role for him. He plays a solid left field, and I don't have any hesitation with putting him out there. Schwarber then told Ross that he's ready to do whatever is asked of him. David Ross also mentioned uh, Schwarber and Souza, Caratini, and Contreras uh, those were the four names that I saw him mention uh, just in the kind of creative using of the DH spot. Ross also talked about how it you know, will be something not necessarily, like he said with Schwarber, not a, a set assignment for somebody, but rather something that is used to get good bats in the lineup, keep bats in the lineup, and get guys a little bit of rest here and there creatively, which mirrors pretty much what we talked about last week, I think, even down to the names. Those are basically the names we were looking at, and that kind of concept is what we were looking at. I, I think it's something that you know these these managers can get a little creative, and again, especially because it is a sixty game sprint, you know you're you're going to have to be mindful about okay, when am I giving guys full off days? How many of those do they need? Can you know how are certain guys going to react to being asked to DH? Do you DH them for just you know one game and then get them back out there and that you know, sort of counts as their off day. It's going to have to be a, a fluid process, you know, and then of course you're also going to have to see how some of those guys respond to being asked to DH, right? Like it, it's not necessarily something that uh, just because someone is a great hitter, they excel when asked to just DH. These guys are human. So, you know, sometimes you throw them out of their routine a little bit and you got to see. So it's going to have to be something uh, like a lot of this process that David Ross is is, is fluid about. And uh, it'll, it'll be interesting, Brendan, because as we've talked about, you know, this wasn't something that Ross was planning for in the original spring training. Uh, this obviously was added to the National League rules for the season. So, you know, this is kind of something that, that David Ross is probably had to been getting up to speed on really only in the last several weeks here. I feel like too, compared to Madden, Madden's been entrenched in the game for a while and I'm sure he's going to adjust too. But with Ross and this younger coaching staff, I feel like they're maybe a little bit more in tune of implementing more creative approaches to get this going a little bit faster. And I say that because you have Craig Breslow, you have Justin Stone, you have Anthony Iaposi, and you have, of course, Tommy Hadovy. These are all guys who, most of them are 40 years or younger, excluding uh, Iaposi, and th- these are young guys, and I feel like that right now is an advantage. I'm not trying to say, oh, the old guys don't know what they're doing. N- not, not at all, but I feel like right now, 
we're talking about Zoom. We're talking about uh, uh, Craig Breslow with with Bro Caraway and some of these other pitchers and David Ross. And that that's an advantage to be exchanging a lot of media files of pitching, of hitting, and getting instruction, and not really missing a beat because of all of this ha- has to be an advantage in in my eyes. And while the sixty game season's of course a disadvantage to for, for a variety of reasons, if we're talking about the Cubs situation and what they are capable of, there's a wide range of possibilities, as we discussed, in the positive and negative uh, direction. But one variable, if you will, that could propel the Cubs to that higher end of their projection is just the ability to capitalize on access to media, to video, to data, to training resumes. We have the Cubs and their Ivy database. We have Yu Darvish always using his iPad and computer to access that data. We have Breslow, we have Hadavi with all these pitcher Zoom meetings. Like that that has to be an advantage. And I'm not super in tune with how other teams are operating, but this is new even within the Cubs in the last year. Like they weren't doing this last year or the two years to their disadvantage. They're doing it now, and I think for the first year to be doing this, what year could have been better than not being able to be in person, right? Not being able to actually go in and work with you guys face-to-face, but still having the ability and the the aptitude to be able to implement some of these changes they want to make. So, Corey, like, I'm, I'm excited. Every, every day, I get more pumped up. Hopefully, baseball will continue this path and get the 60 games in. But right now, like day by day, I'm getting more pumped up and excited about this season. Yeah, I think I joked before, but they're only playing 60 games. But I am fully prepared to predict the Cubs to win 100 games, no just doubt. like I normally do. Wins. So, yeah, no doubt. yeah it's it's going to be interesting. Like I said, I mean, I, I don't think a lot of this news dump is, is particularly... Uh, noteworthy or exciting, but it's you know sort of the the startup to this this happening again. And I think what we have to wait for is for these guys to report uh, and ultimately see what everybody looks like. And I don't really know what that's going to look like from a fan perspective. Like I don't really know what kind of coverage we're going to be getting from this summer camp, um, but. I think even just, you know, going off of the quotes from from some of these guys, you know, I think that they haven't seen any of these guys. I think that was something that uh, David Ross said today in response to one of the questions. He was like, I don't know. I haven't seen them. You know, I haven't seen these players <laughs> right. in months. Like, I, I can't I can't answer that right now. So I think that that's going to be part of it, you know, and, and it, it's it's easy to forget, I think, where we were in spring training when all of this stopped. But, you know, there was still a question about, how much playing time, you know, Ian Happ and Albert Almora were both going to get in center field. There was a, a question of, you know, was Jason Kipnis going to be the opening day second baseman? What role was David Bodie going to play? Was a guy like Descalso going to be on the bench? Like those questions weren't really answered yet. So we still have some of that to figure out now just on a different timeline. So now that these guys are reporting and getting in there, I think once this all gets going, I think hopefully we'll be able to, you know, get a clearer picture and, and, and finally start to answer these questions and, and then ultimately narrow down who's going to be on this 30-man roster and what this uh, what this weird, wacky, truncated season is ultimately going to look like. But that is 
getting started here soon. Uh, July 1st is is the reporting date, and then the season is set to begin on the 23rd and 24th. I think Major League Baseball has some marquee matchups set up for the 23rd, I believe. Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer penciled in to face each other on the 23rd. Uh, But, you know, as with this whole process, we got to get there. So, um, you know, we'll we'll keep an eye and, and we'll keep talking to you guys on what's going on with the Cubs and how their camp is shaking out and how some of these issues are shaking out. Uh, but I think, you know, important to remember that there's obviously a very serious situation going on and uh, we're going to have to keep an eye on that. And, and I think more importantly than anything, just, you know, hoping that these players and coaches and everybody involved in this are taking the appropriate measures to stay safe and and healthy and you know not just for themselves but for each other because that's really the only way this is going to work they're, they're going to have to trust each other uh to be diligent and, and not going out and wearing their masks and and uh practicing those safe processes so there's a lot to digest here but it it's nice brendan this is i feel like i know uh, it's not in a hypothetical sense this is the first time we've like really just talked about it feels baseball some baseball stuff like we're talking about the cubs lineup structure in a literal you know sense from david ross like it's it's nice yeah and talking about pitchers and the rotation talking about alec mills and chadwood like when was the last time we talked about that fifth rotation spot had to be like what like three plus months ago so getting back to normalcy at least for now and again we got to get there and i get it but for now i'm just going to dwell in this current state and try not to stress too much about the what is for now i'm going to enjoy it get excited if it doesn't happen then you know i'll cross that bridge when it happens I'm still waiting for that moment. I think I'll feel truly alive again, Brendan, when I can get enraged at a lineup that comes from (laughs) at Cubs. That's when I'll know we're really back, like when I'm uh, complaining about the eight-hole hitter in the middle of a 60-game pandemic season. I think that's when I'll know. I've never missed those messages more in my life than right now, those complaining messages. It it doesn't feel real until I'm complaining about something. Uh, That's that's when I'm at my best and, and when I feel you know, normal. That's when I'll feel a, a sense of normalcy, perhaps that I haven't felt in several months. So I, I look forward to that. Or I look forward to David Ross's lineups being so good that that never happens. But either way, uh, that that's that's when I'll know it's real. Yeah, so I think that's what we have for you. Wanted the the meat of this podcast to be the interview with Burl. So hope you guys enjoyed that. And we're ready to do this I guess I mean I we'll, we'll see how this all plays out it's you know it's obviously our first time uh discussing a season like this on a, on a podcast and your first time listening to it so we'll, we'll all go through this together but at least as it stands right now we are on pace to have the Chicago Cubs back in our life in a couple days uh like I said we'll Brennan and I are going to get together uh you know once we kind of see how everything is going with the players reporting and all that stuff and um I I would assume sooner rather than later we'll we'll get back uh, to talking to you guys multiple times a week um, as we like having actual baseball to discuss and not things besides that and you're just trying to bide our time uh, until this happened on that note do again and I've said this before 
But uh, do want to thank you guys for listening throughout this process uh, and and joining us throughout these these several months here. Um, not our preferred content, probably not our best content, uh, and there were definitely days where. Brennan and I were like, dude, what do you want to talk about? You know, like when baseball seemed the furthest away and and just like of the least importance to anybody, there were definitely days where it was like, I, I, you know, I don't know, you know, which old Cubs team should we reminisce about today or something like that. But uh, we tried our best and we appreciate you guys sticking with us through that. But with that being said, I, I think we'll all agree that this is just a better podcast environment when we are able to talk about actual baseball and then the Cubs making actual decisions and games and, and things like that. So uh, looking forward to that coming in the next couple days. As always, hope you guys are staying safe and healthy uh, and that this this whole situation that has now gone on for several months here uh, finds you in an okay place. I think maybe okay is the best that some of us can hope for, uh, but as long as you're safe, healthy, your, your family is, is in the same boat, and uh, anything going on with your job or anything like that is uh, okay. Uh, that is uh, what Brendan and I are, are hoping for. And uh, we're ready to talk about the Cubs, ready for them to report to summer camp. And uh, as always, we're, we, we've been ready to strap it on. I mean, we've been waiting to strap it on for Chris Bryant, and uh, we remain ready. So uh, with that said, as always, uh, thank you guys for listening. And we end this podcast by saying, Go Cubs! Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetic boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.